0: Episode one of the Silver Bullet Saga podcast. If this is your first time listening, my name is Ryan Vonderhaar. I've been hosting this podcast for just a handful of years now after I graduated. Wanted to start a little series of episodes of audio recordings, right? In order to stay connected to Buckeye football, hopefully keep it fun. And, uh, you know, the, these episodes are for the casual Buckeye fans. So if you're looking for a deep dive, there's definitely a ton of outlets out there. I would point you towards. A bunch of them. A favorite one of mine and my co-host is Buckeye Scoop. But if you're just looking for kind of uh, the normal man's take on the Buckeye football team and the season preview, this might be the place for you. And with that being said, I'd like to introduce my co-host, Adam.
1: Adam Vanderhaar, how are you doing? Ryan, I mean, it's good to be back. That's all I can say. We're not facing some impending doom, hopefully, like we were last year. A lot of people said we wouldn't have made it four years in to the Silver Bullet Saga. Happy to be back. Happy for Buckeye football to be back. Happy for our players to be making, you know, boatloads of money. That's exciting. Uh, just a lot of exciting things coming out, but good to be here.
0: Yeah, and, you know, obviously more to come out on the NIL front when it comes to this podcast in which specific Buckeye players we're going to be picking up in sponsorship deals, uh, potentially some exclusive interviews We don't have a ton to offer, but potentially we can get to that later in the season. Adam, you mentioned it right off the start. We're in a quite a bit of a a different situation here uh, in the second week of August than we were last year. Do you want to talk about that a little bit more?
1: Uh, I do, Ryan. And just, I mean, we we, we are uh, subscribers to Buckeye Scoop, not to say that we're affiliates with them, but (laughs) they do put out, you know, incredible content. And I would just make the plug that uh, anyone with access to Twitter uh, that wants to look up this at is at fight for football. Uh, It's a documentary that'll be coming out, uh, I believe August 30th uh, nationwide, but go to their website, fightforfootball.com to hear more about it. It's about the story of just what all transpired. Hopefully we'll get some more answers out of it. I'm really excited. I wish it was out now, but it's definitely something to look forward to. But yeah, um, we're in a much better position this year, I think. And uh, that's, that's all you, I got you there. mentioned
0: it a little bit, but when it comes to fighting for football, kind of the, 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 the phrase there is referring to, of course, back in 2020 when the leadership in the Big Ten made the decision uh, to cancel the Big Ten season. I think potentially at that time, believing that the other leagues were going to follow suit, the other conferences around college football. They obviously did not. Um, The ACC and the SEC held on and delayed their seasons a little bit, but were able to play, I believe, all of their games. I know the SEC was able to. So just kind of examining what that, you know, relationship looked like. It was such a crazy time, especially at Ohio State. You know, had a brand-new president, Christina Johnson, coming in. um, And, you know, so many hard decisions, you know, uh, to be made there in, you know, the middle of 2020. And obviously, in cumulating, cumulating, whatever the word is, uh, in the season being able to be resumed, uh, the Buckeyes were able to uh, go undefeated in conference, which was a very exciting thing by winning the fewest amount of games I believe a conference champion has ever uh, won out of the Big Ten, which is kind of a crazy thing. And if it's not, obviously, you'd have to go back a few years for when they played a couple less conference games, but just an unbelievable season. And. You know, almost the storybook ending where we get right there to the cliff uh, and uh, couldn't make it happen against Alabama. You know, nobody wants to make excuses there in that last championship game, but obviously the two conferences are play, were playing and will continue to play with some pretty big differences when it comes to the rules and regulations as far as COVID protocols, this, that, and the other. Nobody's saying that the game, you know, the 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 end result would have been different, but. I know for a fact, obviously we were down a couple of our starters on defense and, you know, we have that fluke play. We lose our number one running back to a a collarbone injury there on the first play, but at the end of the day, success, pretty darn successful season. You're the number two uh, team in all of college football and here in the Buckeye state, that's what we've at least, you know, that's, that's kind of what we've come to expect is making the playoff and at least having a shot at the title, wouldn't you say?
1: Amen to that. I would say um, as much as the championship hurt, I think a lot of Buckeye fans, I mean, myself included, there was a lot of therapy that got us, you know, kind of coming up from such a bad year and just beating the tar off of Clemson before that game. Um, It was something that needed to be done, something that was a long time coming and kind of the proverbial tiger off our back, I think would be fair to say. Um, And as far as the championship game goes, we we've discussed this earlier. I, I I am pretty adamant that I would rather lose by a few touchdowns in a game of that magnitude than lose on a last second play just because I know the heartache of two years ago against Clemson. And um, I, I don't know if that's the right take, but as far as my mental capacity goes, I'd rather know it's not happening far in advance than right at the end. <laughs> sure. And you bring up two
0: good points there. One being, you know, the the beast, the tiger of Clemson. Ohio State doesn't have many foes like that that, that, that we'd never beaten, you know, in program history, uh, especially a foe like that who had played us at a couple of years where we were at the top, you know, of, of where our program can be. And for Ryan Day to be able to make that happen, especially, you know, if you want to consider it kind of a revenge thing when it comes to a couple of controversial calls that came in the same game back in 2019, it was really great to see our guys be able to make that happen. And, you know, that one one other word that we'll get to later when we start discussing the defense going into this year, but we had no answer in that championship game against Devontae Smith, who we'll see what his NFL career pans out to, but, you know, tough Borland is, uh, is no match for a very fast Heisman winning, you know, wide receiver into the backfield. It's a long day for our uh, linebackers that, you know, that needed to cover him, but all that due to a lack of depth in our secondary, which hopefully is going to, is getting addressed. Kerry Combs, obviously our defensive coordinator heading into this year, his resume speaks for itself. You know how many first round corners he's put into the league, but you know, let's, let's, we'll see, are these last two years kind of a kind of a fluke in, in what has become DBU here at Ohio state, or, you know, is is it more telling of a bigger problem? Hopefully it's the first, I think that it will be, we're going to get things straightened out, but a lot of that comes with depth. Adam, getting into this episode, I think we're just going to kind of run through a couple of the names to know. You know, when when people tune into this podcast, I guess the goal would be to walk away, at least, you know, having something to look for on Saturdays, other than just write the end score. What are the what are the storylines? Who are the players that we're interested in seeing, especially for that day one start, Big Ten start this year? conference opponent playing Minnesota there on that Thursday night out in Minnesota. So excited to see who makes the start in that game. Uh, To get things started, Adam, I want to run through the offense. I'd like for you to pick a position group and we'll just hammer off a couple of names that we've been watching through camp.
1: Well, I mean, Ryan, this is hopefully to guys, uh, our fan base, our listeners out here, this will be no surprise, but we're we're going into the season with, I, I don't think many other groups could make a claim that we're going in with probably the most talented wide receiver core in the country. Um, We have two guys and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson seasoned veterans that for all intents and purposes easily could have gone to the NFL last year, Decided this to stay, you know, great to have leadership, but also, you know, only so many guys can play. We've got a lot of talent behind them. Um, Brian, if you want to go into, you know, who are some of those prospects behind Chris and Garrett
0: well, in number one, I think that it speaks a lot to Chris Olave. Uh, you know, he had the the decision to make last year. You know, does he go back to Ohio State? Does he go ahead and enter the league? Uh, he, I think everybody had him projected as at least a late or a, a early second round, but maybe even a, a late first round pick as far as receivers go. And he's coming back to try and play his way into that number one, you know, NFL wide receiver prospect uh, list going heading into this year, but. I mean, you mentioned it yourself. We have a wealth of talent uh, going into the receiver room this year, a lot of young talent, which is exciting. I want to kind of talk about this right off the bat, but Jamieson Williams uh, transfers this off season down to Alabama. He's He was an awesome player uh, for us, but really had never cracked that starting lineup wide receiver. Um, most reports out of camp or in practice has always been that he's either the fastest or one of the fastest players in the room. And If you just Google his name and go back and watch some of his highlight reel, I mean, when he threw the afterburners on, he could take anybody out. You know, it was a touchdown if he had a little bit of space. Obviously, a sad thing to lose heading into this season. Um, He transfers down to Alabama, which is, you know, kind of a wild thing just due to what the storyline could be later in this season. Our goal, obviously, is to be able to play them, you know, later down the line. Will we get to see him? I hope we do just just for that element of it. But no, you said it yourself. You know, Chris Olave is a great slot receiver. He can get open. He catches anything that's thrown to him. Garrett Wilson, kind of more of a long legged, he can get over the defense. You're looking for a deep ball threat. He's going to be the guy. I mean, go back to Clemson. You know, last year he had some ridiculous catches, and that was throughout the whole season, not just then. But, you know, you get behind them, Jackson Smith and Jigba, really, really quick, great hands receiver. Uh, He debuts uh, last year. I believe it was in the first game and just has this double tap toe touch catch in the back of the end zone. If you watch it live on TV, there's no way you think he's in, but he gets both of those toes in just over the line and is able to, able to haul the ball in. And for a true freshman to make a play like that, I think it really shows just kind of the talent that we're working with. And Brian Hartline is obviously the coach of the wide receivers uh, at at this point. And, you know, he's valued on recruiting boards all over the country as one of the most valuable assistant coaches or position coaches there are in college football right now, because he's turned the room. And obviously we're coming off of a ton of wide receivers these last 20 years that have, you know, been successful at Ohio state, but he's turned Ohio state's receiving room into the premier place to go. If you're looking to be a number one wide receiver in the NFL, which is a pretty awesome thing. So obviously Jackson Smith and Jigba I already talked about, uh, Jamieson Williams had to transfer, even though he was an older, you know, he, he wasn't an upperclassman, but a year older than some of these young guys, he transferred because he saw the writing on the wall. He wasn't going to be able to get the reps this year that he could. And, you know, you look at Alabama's room, <laughs> Devonte Smith and, uh, Waddle, you know, Heisman winner and a Heisman prospect before his injury, you know, they, he, they lose a couple of their number one guys to the NFL. So, you know, he finds a little bit of room down there in Alabama and I wish him a ton of success, obviously. Uh, but you know, we, there, you can kind of see it, you know, there's a reason that you transferred and you'll see it on the field this year, because it's going to be hard getting the ball around to just how many weapons we have. And it's going to be interesting to see how Ryan day, uh, kind of, kind of balances that, you know, you want to definitely get the reps around, but you got your two top guys, Wilson and Olave who deserve a ton of touchdowns and a ton of targets this year. Uh, but heading down the list, Julian Fleming, you know, he's. Another quick guy, great hands. I believe a four star out of high school, and then G Scott Jr., whose whose dad actually was one of the pivotal guys when it came to uh, getting the season restarted last year. But G Scott is big bodied receiver. uh, You know, great great hands. I haven't gotten to see him as much in the game. You know, this year, but as far as everything goes, obviously there's a top two when it comes to seniority, but talent wise you're going to be seeing a ton of names uh, heading into this year.
1: I love it, Ryan. Um, you know, uh, to pick another group, I think we're going to save the most exciting one for last, but definitely one you and I have our eyes on this year. And then the rest of Buckeye Nation should for sure also is our tight end core. We've got Jeremy Ruckert returning back, uh, potential All-American, but I mean, I hate to say even more exciting than that, but, You know, Buckeye, you know, Farm Country's own Cade Stover, who is an ASM major. Shout out to all of our ag system management majors out there. I am an alumni of that uh, educational group at Ohio State. Uh, He has pivoted during his time at Ohio State. He's moved. He started, came in as a defensive end and uh, moved to linebacker. And now they've got him potentially rotating as a starter with Jeremy at the tight end position. Um, I, I can't wait to see him on the field. I just think he's got a, a lot of work ethic that a lot of farm country knows, you know, how he, we've been raised and, uh, it's just going to be really exciting to see Ryan. I know you have more thoughts on that.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, a couple of things, you know, the word grit comes to mind as far as everything that's been reported out of camp from Cade Stover, uh, in order to even be in the conversation for taking reps away from Jeremy Ruckert, who is looking at, you know, potentially an all American season and trying to lock in a number one spot as one of the top tight ends in the whole country, you know, looking at the NFL draft this year in order to start that conversation, as far as, as either splitting reps or even making a few starts for Cade himself, that just kind of speaks to the value that he's bringing on the offense. And for everybody, you know, all the reports out of camp, you know, he's a great, he, he, he can catch the ball, right. He's, but he, he's not there to catch it the guy can block like crazy is, is what the word. And, and obviously that makes a lot of sense. You know, he's a tough player. He's played defense or he's, at least he's been practicing defense most of the time here at Ohio state. Uh, you know, we've, we've got a, a big linebacker room. He looks around last off season and says, you know, where can I make a change? Uh, the coaches go with him, you know, with him on that and the decisions made that he's going to join the tight end room. Well, you know as far as a blocking tight end these are these are the types of guys that have those long nfl careers the ones that maybe you don't know their name all the time because they're not you know racking in touchdowns every sunday like a travis kelsey like a number one target on an offense with the chiefs but you know Cade stover is is the guy that makes the money you know if you want a strong running game you need this guy you need a guy like this up there blocking for you head down just able to make a move on the defense so you know i we, we've led this hype train since the beginning. It's really exciting that, that now it seems like the, uh, the rest of Buckeye Nation is catching up a little bit on just how exciting uh, or how cool of a story this is. Uh, obviously, you can hear it. You know, I'm, I'm floored about it. Um, I, I'm always tweeting at him, trying to get him connected ever since the NIL stuff started, you know, trying to get him connected with, you know, ag brands, who's he going to rep. I'm excited to hopefully see him, you know, maybe in some John Deere stuff or whatever, you know, whatever the dealership is around. Uh, Columbus that picks him up as a sponsorship because there's so much there. Um, But just, just a really cool story. And no, the tight end, the tight end room is, is is unbelievable. And, uh, and we'll just go too deep, you know, for the sake of the time on this podcast, but you know, it's going to be a crazy year. And with that, I think it's like you said, we can, we can wait kind of the creme de la creme till the end, but the running back room is just as exciting uh, as any competition. I think there is on the roster right now. We have an unbelievable, right, last three games from Trey Sermon last year. Our uh, senior transfer from Oklahoma uh, puts together just an an unconscious performance against Clemson, wins us the game, has that terrific look into the camera when we knew we had it in hand. But he's moved on to the NFL, and it's time to find that replacement. A lot of folks heading into this year thought it was going to be Master Teague, uh, junior running back, big-bodied guy, you know, under the tutelage of – you know, our guys, uh, Weber and and J.K. Dobbins kind of from that vein back in the day, but you know, that's, that's not the word out of camp right now. We have this number one guy, Travion Henderson. Remember that name going into this season He is a true freshman running back the number one running back in his recruitment class. They say he's got home run speed. Every time he's got the ball, you can look for him to try and take it to the house. Now that's not the way, you know, that, that just because of that, you know, that doesn't build a running back. You Obviously there's so much outside of that ball control blocking when it's a, you know, full pass protection, you know, there, there's so many different roles for a running back, but just having a guy with that kind of shiftiness and that kind of speed is very exciting uh, heading into this year. And even with that, that there, there's some, there, there are, I have seen reports of him taking reps uh, in kick return. So that would be pretty exciting to see. Obviously Garrett Wilson had taken that role kind of hit between him and Demario McCall uh, last year. So Pretty exciting to see we just have some speed coming in. But all that to say, Adam, me, you, and, and Dad's favorite, one of our favorite players last year, Mayan Williams. You want to talk about him just a little Absolutely.
1: bit more? Oh, just a prolific, a, a bowling balls type running back. A guy that once the defense is tired, you bring in, him in and they all sigh and they, <laughs> they get a little nervous. He's the kind of, I mean, you look at this running back group, you know, just all three names, Teague, Henderson, Williams, there's not a wrong answer to me. We've seen at least, you know, Williams and Teague. We know what both of them are capable of. And then you've got this, you know, all-star recruit coming in. Um, I don't think there's a bad answer. I think my end, if I had to take a guess, is going to be the starter just from what we've heard um, from reporters that have been watching. <coughs> uh, excuse me. Sorry. You take it from here.
0: Well, yeah. Uh, Mayan Williams and, and Travion Henderson, I think are taking uh, first reps right now, you know, it gets kind of political sometimes when it comes to a true freshman coming in, especially at such a pivotal position like running back. If you were asking me today who's going to get those first reps against Minnesota, I think I would lean towards Mayan Williams. But really, I think we're going to be a three running back room, which I think is great for us. I remember back, you know, rewind the clock 2014, 2013, uh, Carlos Hyde, uh, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, guys getting reps on both sides. You kind of have that shiftier guy. Uh, when you need the speed and when you need yards and then you've got you know your knockdown, knocked down drag out you know bull who's able to who's able to just knock the defense down and really take uh, take the will away uh, but you know all that is built off of the offensive line and it's kind of a kind of a cool story coming out of camp um, a lot of kind of some shifting in positions there's this one guy uh, Dewan Jones I believe is his name He's, he seems like he's seven feet tall, but he's a mountain of a, of a man. He He's a giant guy. Uh, he's, he was hoping to, I believe he was originally slated to take the right tackle position uh, this year, but Thayer Munford makes the decision to come back, which was a surprise to a lot of folks uh, for this year. Uh, under the agreement that, and this is just the the story of it, but Thayer goes to uh, Dewan Jones, and you know, little little conversations had. Hey, I know, you know, you thought this was going to be your spot next year. I think I would like to come back, but here's my promise: if you can show that you belong in the starting lineup, I will make the decision to shift over to guard and uh, give you the tackle position. And right now, out of camp, that is uh, what is said to be happening. So. I I am crazy excited to see, you know, obviously both of them on the line, but we've got an awesome, awesome offensive line coming back this year. Harry Miller's going to take a step at center. Uh, Now he gets a full off season, hopefully to shake out any of the hiccups that we might have in the snap issues that we saw against Michigan state last year, heading down the line. I mean, Nicholas Petit Ferrer, uh, uh, Paris Johnson. I mean, we've got five stars, up and down the offensive line, and that's obviously where the hay's gonna be made for the running backs. So I just wanted to give them a little bit of love and the and the quarterbacks, which brings us to the last topic on the offense. Adam, just some initial <laughs> thoughts on the quarterback competition.
1: Well, um, you know, going into August here, it was looking to be exciting. You know, if we had a great a stacked uh three man roster with CJ Stroud, Kyle McCord, and Jack Miller. And then I mean I don't want to say it's the craziest thing that's ever happened in college football because, you know, you can't really say that about anything. But to have a five-star recruit out of Texas and Quinn Ewers, go, who is going into his senior year of football down there in Texas, decide, hey, I've actually got all my classes checked. I can graduate if I just knock out one more English class uh, with my tutor. I think I'm just going to forego my senior year of high school and join the Buckeye roster um, to t- maybe take advantage of some NIL uh contracts and maybe even just try to get more uh you know acquainted with the playbook and the program and the culture and everything else. So, you know, now we have a four man uh roster of all equal eligibility players. Um from everything I've heard, CJ Stroud's still looking to be the number you know, our, our QB one. Um, but it's uh <laughs> or, it, it's a, it's a stacked quarterback roster the, the biggest drawback is only one of them can play at one time <laughs> um, right uh, Ryan i'm sure you have more to say about no I mean, it. <laughs> I
0: mean you kind of brought up the the one drawback is the neg- the negative part is the eligibility side each all four of these guys are technically uh, 2021 20, 20, recruits which means they have the same amount essentially the same amount of eligibility left. Um, which is even wild for Quinn Ewers. You know, he's, he's 18 years old, should be going into his senior year of high school, but now he finds himself about to start camp at Ohio state. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, the reports right now are CJ Stroud is kind of the leader in the locker room as far as the offense is concerned. Uh, but there, you're right. There's not a wrong answer. Five-star CJ Stroud, five-star Kyle McCord, five-star Quinn Ewers and and Jack Miller, I believe a four-star out of Arizona. Um, the sad thing about this is, you know, I would be surprised if any more than two of these guys are still in this locker room when we start the season next year. So we have four great names right now, but, you know, depth wise and transfer, transfer portal, portal wise, how, you know, we, we live in this new age of college football where, you know, you can transfer for any reason, which I agree with, you know, coaches can leave at any time and, you know, take take money from a new university and leave, you know, the, the guys they recruited potentially for years, just in the dust. That's been the landscape of college football for a long time. Now we're kind of seeing that shift. The power's going back into the player's hands, which, you know, I don't know how you can kind of argue with that other, you know, obviously these are young men. That would be the only argument, you know, decision-making wise, you know, what, <laughs> it, obviously everybody makes different decisions, you know, between 18 and 20. Uh, then, then, they did a couple years, than they do a couple years down the line, but you know, the power's in these guys' hands and, uh, it, it's pretty cool as far as that goes. And I, I'm happy for him in that way, you know, say CJ, Stroud is the guy and Quinn decides to stay because, you know, he's kind of the anointed next guy and Jack and Kyle go find another uh, place somewhere else. I'm happy for him. I hope they are able to, you know, find a, uh, find a place that gives them reps. I hope it works out better than it did for Tate Martell. Uh, just two years ago, he transfers down to Miami and now transfers back. I believe he's going heading home to Nevada. Uh, but it's just it's a crazy thing. And I think the quarterback carousel is what they call it in the NFL, right? when they can't find the right quarterback, but you'll have a brand new quarterback carousel here in college football these next few years when it comes to, hey, you know, I didn't win the job out of camp and I don't and I maybe I didn't even win the backup job. I, I know I can play, take me somewhere else. I think we're gonna start seeing that a ton. And, you know, our room's kind of set up for it. Now, the beautiful thing is Ryan Day is kind of showing himself as the best quarterback coach in the country right now. Every great quarterback wants to play for him, and that's the best problem. This is, you know, they say, what, uh, first-world problems. These are first-world problems, you know, having to choose between the top quarterback recruits in the country and, and seeing who's going to start. And we've, we just talked about it, Adam, and you can talk about this a little more, but, like,
1: whoever starts is set up for success. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get into the, uh, you mean about specifically NIL stuff? Or? No, no, no. I,
0: NIL, oh. I mean, n- number one, the the starting Ohio state court, we can do that in a sentence. The starting Ohio state quarterback is in a position to make more money than any other player in the country when it comes to NIL. I mean, that's, I don't know how that can be yeah. mis- misconceived as a fact, unless you know, this was the <laughs> thing. I was talking about this with my father-in-law the other day. Um, you know, you have super PACs right in politics. How you know groups <laughs> groups of people can dump money into a pot in order to impact elections. Essentially, you're, I think we're going to see the same thing when in college football, you're going to see groups yeah. groups of people, uh, and we'll call it you know the the Buckeye Club or something like that. Groups of people will be able to donate to this, probably large donors, in order to sway recruits <laughs> into coming yeah. into coming to their school. Hey, you know, starting quarterback at Ohio State's going to make a base level of a million a year. I, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Now Ryan Day answered that at the Big Ten Media Days. You know, yes, you know our top guys are going to make a ton. How do we distribute that money a little bit into the backup guys and the walk on guys who are not going to see, you know, nearly nearly as much? But yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing. But when I brought that up, I just meant there's so much talent on this offense that really as long as you oh. are as long as you are a capable quarterback, even if you are a system quarterback, we're going to score. I mean, I, I don't see a score in less than 30 points a game uh, in any game this season. It, it's going to be rain and touchdowns.
1: I'm pretty sure if I was back there and we never passed the entire, you know, season during the Big Ten, all I had to do was hand it off to the running backs. I think we'd have a heck of a shot at a, what, a Big Ten title for the games. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'd be right there in the hunt, I think. Just running game alone with this offensive line, I think, you know. But the fact that these are all great you know we, we have a nuclear reactor of a quarterback room uh, as far as potential energy goes it's just where does that energy go and, and it, how how much how many games how many reps does it take to get that number one guy comfortable and and not forcing plays and you know just making sure he's the dude and uh that, that would be my only my big worry in the season is there's so much potential talent behind the number one guy if that first guy has a bad you know a bad game, there's going to be a lot of cries for throwing one of these other guys in. So that'd be the only, I would say my only big worry going into it is, is something like that happening.
0: Akin to 2015 going back between Cardale Jones and JT exactly. Barrett and arguably ruined the season. You know, we, we had so yep. many issues. No, it, totally, it absolutely did.
1: did. <laughs> it did ruin the
0: season and you know, you and I have to be JT guys cause he was our guy, you know, through college, but yep. just so, so many, so many what ifs there. If we were able to just stick with a guy throughout that whole year, because arguably the most talented roster that Urban Meyer ever had, I mean, here at Ohio State. So, yeah. uh, you know, flipping that, obviously, we're, we talked a lot more about the offense. We're just going to sprint through the defense here because. You know, Adam and I understand a lot more offense, essentially, is what that is. But to- <laughs> totally uh, totally a linebacker, uh, totally a fresh start, you know, just like the Febreze brothers, right? We're, we're so fresh, call us the Febreze brothers in the linebacker room. Uh, you know, we graduate or we send three starting linebackers to the NFL last year, which is an awesome thing. Uh, and this year, obviously, some big shoes to fill. Taraja Mitchell has been a name that I've been following since he was in high school. He's been on the roster here for now four years. This is his fourth year. He's a senior and he's looking to make an impact. Um, you know, he is a big body. He's been on special team. His highlight reels on kickoffs have been amazing these last few years. Cause he's just laid the wood uh, as far as just, just being a physical body out there on the field. But hopefully, you know, I, I don't know what it is that's kept him off the field to this point, obviously, you know, it, with a senior your question is always you know how has he not found more time on the field but you know hopefully he's taken that big step this last season um Cody Simon uh is looking to get the start you know there's so many fresh names in the linebacker room that it's going to be exciting to see but yeah Cody Simon is the slated starter at, at the Mike linebacker position um just a big body quick guy but you know the the more the guy that I have read the most about, at least through campus, this Craig Young uh, character in the bullet position, kind of that hybrid linebacker safety. You know, he could drop back in coverage if he needs to, but able to come back and give the line support. Big body, super fast, and a leader on the defense. So those, those are your names there at linebacker. Uh, Adam, maybe you want to talk a little bit about the defensive line.
1: Defensive line, um, I mean, <laughs> I think a, a lot of our listeners will, will know the name Zach Harrison, for defensive end, but then the two guys coming in behind him being Jack Sawyer and then Javante Jean Baptiste. Um, JT gonna to be, gonna, Alola, the true freshman. Uh, of course, JT also. Of course, I mean, I don't want to say we're upgrading because it's impossible how good this defensive end. You know, just the over the years we got the Bosa brothers. Um, um, <laughs> oh, I cannot think. Case
0: Young, it's all right. I'm sorry. (laughs) First, first part of the year.
1: No, Um, take the dust off as prolific. Yeah. As prolific as our defensive ends have been over the past, it it seems like the room is as stacked as it's ever been a lot of talent. Um, You know, it it just comes down to getting their technique set, but it's going to be really exciting. Specifically, Jack Sawyer, I think is going to be really making a name for himself this year. And then, you know, defensive tackle Haskell Garrett, what more can you say, you know, shot in the face, uh, (laughs) shot in the face this past august and back you know survives just so close to death and what a story and then for him to actually make the decision to come back easily could have went to the nfl but he's back going to be a just i i mean if he plays as good as he did last year we're going to be just fine at defensive tackle and then uh nose tackle antoine jackson um unless you know a different name that would be up there it'll be interesting to see how that plays out but um I think we're going to be fine at, at, at the line. Um, obviously the one that we haven't spoken about yet is, is the secondary. And um, that remains to be seen, I think, but it'll be interesting. Uh, you you know, more than I do, I think. No, no, that. you're
0: good. Uh, I mean, the only defensive end you left off was Tyreek Ty- Ty- Smith uh, out for the yeah, yeah. Uh, national championship game last year, looking to make a huge comeback. Uh, heading into this year. Um a little bit of an issue in camp, Tyler Friday. Uh out with an injury, he's going to be out for the season. He's another uh defensive end. He was slated to be a starter going into this year, so kind of a sad story there. Um, but no, I mean you you pretty much I think you covered everybody. I had oh Toron Vincent, uh the only other no st- or uh defensive tackle uh slated to start this year, but tons of big bodies. If the wide receiver room is the number one group on the team, I would say that the the entire defensive end is probably number two as far as talent goes, and, and that's just because there are so many capable bodies in that room, including true freshmen, so extremely exciting, uh, you know, I, I would say Jack Sawyer for me as well is probably the most excited yeah. and, and Zach Harrison as far as defensive players. Uh, going into this year, just and JT to him a little while
1: if he does make the, you know, yeah, if he is
0: in. <laughs> he's kind of the unique, you know, yeah, he's the unique. The late commit, you know, committed to Ohio State just about a month ago and is already in camp. The everything, you know, out of camp is he's a giant human being. He can bull rush the quarterback and blow by just about anybody who's in front of him. the The thing where he needs developed is with his hands. And Larry Johnson has shown that he can develop just about anybody into a top line uh, defensive end so he's going to be just fine down the road um, you know going into the, the secondary like you said you know this is this is something you and I know very little about as far as you know who what we're looking for other than you know speed obviously speed and good hands you know how can you track the receivers you're running with Uh, and, and it's a room that, you know, sometimes you need a lot of development with. And last year we lost, uh, two slated starters to injury. So, you know, it was a very thin room and I talked about it earlier, why we had a linebacker running around with Devante Smith last year in the national, excuse me, in the national championship, seven banks makes two looks to make a comeback as well as cam Brown as our starting outside, um, cornerbacks this year. I think they're going to take a big step, but you know, it it's. (laughs) It's all going to be, I I mean, it's not, obviously it's not all on the corners, free safety, Josh Proctor, you know, a lot of good, good words being said about him coming out of camp, but it, this all remains to be seen. Uh, this was the black eye of the defense last year. You know, we were susceptible to deep balls. We were susceptible to receivers kind of running free and it's time for that to get fastened up. And, you know, obviously I would never say that Kerry Combs is in the hot seat, but you know, if you're Ryan Day and you find yourself at the end of the year next year where if a short up, you know, secondary is what stood between you and a national championship, which is what I it was like in, twice, which is what it was in 2020, definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, you're gonna you're gonna start having to look at making some kind of change, whether it's from a scheme wise or personnel wise. Uh, it's it's a big year for the defense, and I think they know that.
1: I think if the secondary goes as poorly as it did last year, I think it is hot seat time for, for him, which is sad to say because he is an iconic coach for Ohio State and pure electricity. I know the players love him, but you know Ryan Day, he's running a damn near a perfect ship, and uh, he, we can't let the secondary be what's holding it back, for sure, especially at Ohio State. Adam, uh, I think I
0: think we're good to start wrapping this up. Anything else you'd like to share? Uh, we're, well, I guess one thing we're we're hoping to get a couple more episodes out, obviously before Game One. Uh, you'll definitely get a preview for the Minnesota game, which Adam and I are both really excited about. But uh, if there's anything specific heading into this year, please feel free to always give us feedback in the comments of the episode.
1: Yeah, I would just say um, the other thing is can't wait to see a game live in person. Um, we're going to have some really nice seats. Thanks to your, uh, you know, uh, staff or faculty p- privileges there for season tickets. And hopefully maybe we can do some live post or pregames uh, in the maybe even in our seats there. Hey, be, uh, this have re- really nice to watch a game right there. So can't wait. Can't maybe wait. a little
0: maybe a little halftime recording in the stadium. That would be. Ooh, that would yeah. be something. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, for Adam and myself, thank you for tuning in. Uh, welcome back for obviously another season but once again anyone who listens we appreciate your support always you know give us feedback anything you want to hear anything you hated that we should never talk about again let us know about it we do this for fun but you know I love and appreciate anybody who takes the time to listen and thank you once again for tuning in to another episode of the silver silver bullet saga,
1: saga.